0: Luke chapter 9, verses 1 to 9. And he called the twelve together and gave them power and authority over all demons and to cure diseases. And he sent them out to proclaim the kingdom of God and to heal. And he said to them, take nothing for your journey, no staff, nor bag, nor bread, nor money, and do not have two tunics. And whatever house you enter, stay there and from there depart. And wherever they do not receive you, when you leave that town, shake off the dust from your feet as a testimony against them. And they departed and went through the villages, preaching the gospel and healing everywhere. Now Herod the Tetrarch heard about all that was happening, and he was perplexed because it was said by some that John had been raised from the dead by some that Elijah had appeared, and by others that one of the prophets of old had risen. Herod said, John I beheaded, but who is this about whom I hear such things? And he sought to see him. So you you know the old saying, if you want something done right, you've got to do it yourself. Sometimes there's a fair bit of truth in that statement. Uh, Sometimes there's a fair bit of ugly pride in that statement. And sometimes because we're not willing to let somebody else do it and we ourselves get, then get so busy that that thing that was so important that we had to do it so it was done properly, it doesn't get done. Or it doesn't get done at the right time. But there's also another factor here. Um, sometimes by us always insisting that we do it ourselves, we're, we're preventing the development of another person uh, for them to learn to do it properly. So when I used to teach at at the Ag College, uh, it wasn't a difficult thing to pick up on the lads whose fathers had taken the time to teach them to do stuff. Um, So there were two other types. Uh, There were those who I suspect that back at home on the farm, they'd been given free reign and they allowed to do whatever they liked but weren't taught how to do it properly. And so, oh yeah, yeah, you can go and give that a go and they'd go and give it a go. And um, by the time they got to us, They're the sorts of blokes that were brimming with confidence, but man, they were hard on gear. Like that, they yes, they thought they knew how to do stuff, but they didn't know how to do it right. Then there are others who probably had very capable fathers who could have taught them how to do stuff, but they didn't. Probably because it's quicker to do it myself than to teach them how to do it, and um, so their sons didn't get a chance to learn because they'd probably slow the whole operation down. And so when they arrived at us, I, I was working in the practical side of farming. I was mainly teaching, you know, teaching a fair bit of machinery operation and stuff. And some of the students would be starting from up here because they'd been given, somebody had taken the time to teach them how to do stuff and how to do it properly. Others had sort of start from about here and they were full of confidence and thought they could do it well, but we sort of had to try and make them unlearn a few things and learn how to, be, how to do things better. And then some were sort of starting from here uh, because nobody had taken the time to teach them to do practical stuff. My job then was to pick up each person from where they're at and to teach them how to do it properly. And there's different stages to the training. So when somebody would first turn up, first thing we'd have to do is go through the workings of how this equipment works, what it does, what, what's the operation we're trying to do here, and how can we make the equipment do that? And we teach them how to maintain it so they know how to lubricate it and you know, grease this, oil that, check your air pressure's here, and show them, okay, these are the bits that you've got to watch for, and, you know, these bits might get worn and need to be replaced, and, and watch these bits, don't get broken. And, and then we'd start and, and I'd get in the driver's seat and I'd start, uh, I'd start them off and I'd show, okay, this is how you operate the equipment, show them how it's supposed to be done. And then I'd get out of the driver's seat, put them into the driver's seat, and with me sitting beside them, I'd talk them through it. This is how you do it. Uh, okay, yep, that's good, that's not quite right. And, and um, I'd stay with them long enough that they got the hang of it. And during that time, I'd give them a few pointers I'd correct what they were doing wrong I'd talk to them about the possible problems that they were going to have and I'd even throw in a few emergency scenarios and, and can you stop, you know, stop, stop and, and see how long it takes them to stop even if there wasn't an emergency just so that they know how to stop, et cetera. And, um, and then finally you get to the stage where you definitely make a judgement call. Is it safe for me to leave and leave them at it to practice? And um, so that because they needed to be able to develop their skills without me there. And, and that's what training's about. We teach, we impart, and then we let that person have a go. Now does that mean that they were able to do everything perfectly as soon as I got out of the tractor cab? No. And we know that even sometimes there might even be a few little disasters happen once, once we left. Um, but that just meant that there'd be opportunities for feedback and for more training later on. And that's pretty much what's happening in today's Bible reading. Up to this point, Jesus has been demonstrating his power and his authority and the disciples are beginning to grasp who Jesus is. And Jesus has been preaching and he's been teaching. He's been teaching in the synagogues. He's been teaching in the crowds. He's been teaching the disciples in private. He's been teaching from a boat. He's been teaching from the side of a hill. He's been teaching in parables and he's been teaching in plain language. But what has he been teaching? He's been teaching the good news of the kingdom of God. And the disciples have been with him every step of the way. And they've been seeing the things that Jesus has been doing and seeing how he does them. And and they've been hearing the teaching of Jesus and they've been learning from Jesus. And this is what discipleship is about. Hearing, seeing, learning. Not just to increase knowledge, but for us to be trained in the things of God so that we can know the good news of the kingdom of God and know it well. And then... The next step of discipleship is the bit that we sometimes don't launch out into. The next step is like when I got out of the tractor and said, righto, now it's your turn. The next step of being a disciple of Jesus is to take what we've learned and to put it into action and to impart what we've been taught, impart that onto others. And, And so Jesus sends the 12 apostles out on what is the first ever short-term church mission trip. Now, at this stage, it's only the 12 apostles that Jesus sends out. They are the first batch of Jesus's trainees, if you like. Um, when we get to chapter 10, Jesus adds an additional 72 of his disciples and he sends them on a very similar mission trip. And so what Jesus is doing here, sending out the 12, It's not just because that's what the special apostles do. Um, All disciples of Jesus are trained up and sent out. I want you to get it out of your head that it's only those special Christians that get trained up and sent out. All of us are. All of us are. And we're sent out to proclaim the good news of the kingdom of God. Right, so there's nine points that I want to bring out of today's reading. Now, I could have made it 10 just to round things out a bit. But I thought nine was enough. You ready? One, Jesus equips his chosen disciples. He empowers them and he authorises them. Now, up until now, the, the Gospel of Luke has been establishing the power and the authority of Jesus. And today, we actually encounter another aspect of the power of Jesus. We discover that Jesus also has the power and the authority to empower and authorise others, those that he's going to send out on mission. Right? If, if we decide that, oh, I'm going to go out on mission and we try to do it in our own strength, it's going to be a disaster. This is, this is what happens is God, by his Holy Spirit, empowers us and authorises us. He's the one who sends us out with the mission. Jesus gave them power and authority over all demons and to cure diseases. Now, some, some folk get all wrapped up in that bit of it because they, they love the power rush. Oh, yeah, how wonderful it is. We, and how wonderful we are. We got the power, right? And you see, some Christians, they just want to concentrate on the power, on the power. But the focus here isn't on basking in their newfound power and authority. The focus is on the mission. The power and authority are are simply aids for the sake of the mission. And we'll get to what the mission is about shortly. Two, Jesus sends out his disciples. I've already touched on this. Jesus Jesus calls us not just to be converts. He He doesn't call us just to be groupies. He calls us to be disciples. That means we watch him. We listen to him. We learn from him. And the whole time, he's preparing us to be sent out. What does he send us out for? Get a coffee? Have a holiday? No, he sends us out on a mission. So number three is the purpose of being sent out is to proclaim the kingdom of God and to heal. Kingdom of God, that's a very important concept in the Gospel of Luke. I think it's 32 times Jesus refers to the kingdom of God. And the kingdom of God is what's being preached. In another place, Jesus tells us the kingdom of God is like a tiny little seed that gets planted. And it grows into an enormous tree. Um, He uses the example of a mustard seed. I reckon if he was in Australia, he'd probably talk about a a eucalyptus seed like they are just minute a minute thing but grows into an enormous tree we cut one down yesterday at mr dryers's place a large tree but that's what it's like It, it grows and it grows and grows and that's what's happening here jesus began preaching the good news of the kingdom of god and then he passes the baton on to the 12 apostles righto, you go out and preach the good news of the kingdom of God. And they did. And then when we get to chapter 10, he passes the baton on to the 72. Righto, you go out and start preaching the good news of the kingdom of God. And then at Pentecost, it was 120 that were sent out to preach the good news of the kingdom of God. And God has been faithful. In every generation, God has been faithful in sending his disciples out And the gospel has been proclaimed in every corner of this spherical world. Hard thing to do that. How did he manage it? How was it achieved? By empowering and authorising and sending out his disciples to do exactly that, to proclaim the kingdom of God. Righto, but he also mentioned about healing. What part does healing play in this? To proclaim the kingdom of God and to heal. You know, we good evangelical types, types, we we like to focus on the first part and sometimes we neglect the second part. We, We focus on preaching the kingdom of God and we totally neglect the healing part. And then there might be some Pentecostal types who might focus on the healing and totally neglect the proclaiming. What is the healing about? Well, healing has always been a demonstration of the power and the mercy of God. It's like a little foretaste of the full healing that's going to come when Christ returns. And we're raised with him in glory. We get to see a little snippet of it now. Now, don't don't ever get it into your head that people are not miraculously healed today. Of course they are healed. That's what God's word tells us, um, and that's why we pray for those who are sick, for them to be healed. But we also pray, Your will be done, because we know that healing that's not the greatest blessing. Salvation is the greatest blessing. And to be raised to a new life with him, that's the greatest blessing. Four, when we are sent, go in faith, trusting in the provision of God. Jesus said to his disciples, don't take anything with you. Don't take a staff, don't take a bag, Don't take any bread with you. Don't take any money with you. Don't even take a second set of clothes. Pretty much God said the opposite to what your mum told you. Have you got your hanky? Have you got your lunch? What what about if you get stuck there? Have you got breakfast? Right? Jesus is the opposite to your mum. Think of it like that. Right? He's sending them out on a short-term mission trip. Now, Now, sadly, today, most Most short term mission trips of today are are more like a holiday immersion experience. It's where we're sending people out to have an experience, not to become experienced. You might know what I mean by that? Send them out to have an experience. You're going to have a valuable time for yourself instead of being sent out to experience. That's where the camper pays up front and they know that all their flights are there ready for them and all their accommodation and their catering is all going to be guaranteed. They've got their medical insurance in case something arises in the health issues and, and they know they're going to have a good time while they're away because their guide is there to make sure they have the experience. And he's leading them and they know that they're not going to go wanting And probably for them, the most devastating thing might be if they can't find a place to charge their mobile phone. That's pretty much a modern day mission experience. Not all, but many. But when Jesus sent his disciples out on their short-term mission trip, it was very different. They took how much? Nothing. Nothing. And so they're totally dependent on God. And they were totally dependent on the locals that they were sent to. And so they experienced the provision of God. When the kingdom of God is preached, it, it, it is right for those who are receiving ministry to provide for those who are doing the ministry. And when you're sent out on a short term mission trip, it doesn't take much. Five, live simply. Jesus said, when you find somebody who's going to take you in, you stay with that one host until you're leaving. Now, um, some of you know Saundi. Um When Saundi, Saundi, when his wife used to go away sometimes, Mrs. Saundy would head off and, and Robin and I, we'd, we'd sort of say, oh, well, you come to our place for dinner. And he'd say, what is for dinner? And we'd tell him. And he'd go, hmm, I'll tell you what, I'll let you know later in the day, I might get a better offer. <laughs> now, if you know Saundi, that, that, that's just his way. It, it, it's a great old joke, and he'd do it every time, every time. And um, but that's pretty much what, what Jesus is getting at here. Don't go looking for a better offer, right? If, if, if somebody's taking you in, don't, don't go oh, they've got a more comfy bed for me, or but, you know, they're a better cook, I might go to their place, I might just pack up and move. If somebody opens up their home, that's where God has put you, and, and that's where you're going to stay, and just be content with what's provided, no matter how simple it is. Live simply. Um, don't go looking for comfort increases. Six. When we go about Jesus' business, don't expect that you're always going to be welcome. Jesus said, wherever they do not receive you, when you leave that town, shake off the dust from your feet. Sometimes the the good news of the kingdom of God is very well received. And praise God for when people's hearts are drawn toward him and they respond to the gospel. That's, That's just joy, isn't it? But the sad thing is often the message and those who proclaim it are despised. And see how sad it is that, that the gospel that we know would bring these people life is rejected. They hate it and they hate those who proclaim it. Which brings us to number seven. When the kingdom of God is rejected, It's not the fault of the message and it's not the fault of the one who delivers the message. The responsibility and the consequences of rejecting Jesus, that's on the hearer. I reckon way too often we we beat ourselves up or beat up others um, because somebody's rejected Jesus. So we might go, it's the pastor's fault. I've spent a lot of time trying hard to get my friend to come to church and they've come to church and the pastor didn't convert him. Ah, oh, done. I've done my bit and he didn't do his bit. Ah, oh. or well, we take it on ourselves and go, it's my fault. I shared my faith with this person but I obviously didn't do it well enough otherwise they would have believed. I wasn't As I shared, I could see that their their eyes just glazed over. I obviously wasn't convincing enough. I obviously wasn't entertaining enough. I wasn't interesting enough. Because if I was, then they would have believed. And we beat ourselves up like that. Let me just tell you, no, if you were more interesting, they still wouldn't have believed. And sadly, often the fear that we have of doing it wrongly or doing it poorly stops us from sharing our faith at all. It's the fear of failure. What what if I do try and share my faith with this person? They might reject me. They might reject the the message. We're so afraid that we just don't do it. If I share my faith with this person and they don't i don't convert them it'll be my fault and i failed no you haven't failed it's the greatest success of all any time that you share your faith any time that you share the good news of the kingdom of god that is a complete success when a person rejects jesus that's on them jesus said whenever they do not receive you when you leave that town, shake the dust off of your feet as a testimony against them. Now, apparently that's something that the Jews would do whenever they were leaving Gentile territory. Um, sometimes, rather than walk through Gentile territory, they'd skirt around it and increase their journey a lot, but it's just so that they wouldn't have to walk through Gentile territory. Um, they'd go miles out of their way. But if they had to pass through Gentile territory, as they left, they'd shake the dust off of their feet because they didn't want to be bringing any of them filthy, stinking Gentile germs into their world of purity. And and Jesus is saying, if that place rejects you, and if that place rejects the gospel, don't let them rub off onto you. Don't you carry that burden of rejection. It's on them on them in John chapter 15 Jesus said if the world hates you you need to know that it hated me before it hated you he also said if they persecuted me they'll persecute you too being rejected for the sake of Jesus it's normal it's normal but don't let it stop you and it's not your burden to carry that you've been rejected or that that person has rejected it. Yes, our hearts are heavy for that person. But if that stops us from sharing our faith with another, that's when disaster's struck. So what does God require of us? Number eight, obedience. Jesus sent them out So what did they do? They went out. He told them to preach the gospel and to to heal. What did they do? They went, they departed, they went through the villages, preaching the gospel and healing everywhere. Simple, really. There's no greater satisfaction satisfaction than obediently stepping out to do what Jesus sends us to do. Those disciples had stayed put when Jesus said, go, Well, that would mean firstly that they weren't disciples because that's what disciples do. Disciples follow and disciples obey. But if they had stayed put, neither would they have experienced the amazing work that God would do through them. Number nine, when God does his work through the lowly, even kings will notice Have you noticed this? Like like Jesus has been drawing the crowds, he's been healing the sick, he's been raising the dead. But it's when the disciples of Jesus were given power and authority, it was when the disciples of Jesus went out to proclaim the kingdom of God, that's when King Herod the Tetrarch sat up and took notice. It's one thing for, for one person to be able to do it, But for that person to have the power and authority to send others out in his name and for it to happen, that's another thing altogether. And Herod had killed John the Baptist and some were saying, oh, that's John the Baptist come back to life again. Some said, no, no, it's Elijah. And others said, oh, it's one of the other prophets of old. But, But what it did is it made Herod decide, I really want to see this Jesus bloke myself. And that's the way it's supposed to be as we obediently step out to be witnesses for Jesus, it's not about us. It's not about our glory. It's not about us becoming famous. It's all about Jesus. When we proclaim the kingdom of God with the authority and with the power of Jesus, if things go well, it's Jesus that people will want to see, not us. And I'm happy with that. You happy with that? And this is what being a disciple of Jesus is about. Learning from Jesus, learning about the kingdom of God, and in faith, stepping out to teach others about the kingdom of God in order to bring him glory. Glory to Jesus. And in order for them to come to know Jesus. More glory for Jesus. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we just want to thank you um, and we praise you for your Son, our Lord Jesus Christ. All glory be to him. And Lord, I just want to pray for every person here today and for every person listening to this recording. Um, Lord, first of all, we we want to confess to you that there's there's been times when we haven't taken what you've taught us and demonstrated us and put it into action. There's been times when you've said, Go. There's been times when you've said, Teach others. There's been times when you've said, Pray for these people that they would be healed. There's been times when you've said all of these things. And we've just been afraid. But, but what if they don't? What if they don't listen? What if they don't respond? And rather than being obedient, we've just kept it quiet. And Lord, I just pray for every person here that, Lord, that we would hear your word, hear your command to go, your command to proclaim the good news of the kingdom of God, your command to pray for the sick, and that we would obey. Lord, help us, I guess, give us faith to be able to trust in you, to be able to trust in your provision. And Lord, we pray for, that your name would be glorified as people hear your name, hear the message and turn their hearts towards you. And Lord, please help us that when we are rejected, because you, you've told us that there will be times when, when your message will be rejected. Lord, we pray that that would not be a, a burden, or or, or a um, a tripping stone for us, Lord. It wouldn't be something that would stop us, but Lord, we've you've told us that it will happen, and in faith, Lord, help us to just keep on proclaiming the good news to the world who sorely need to know you. In Jesus' name, Amen.